Hello and welcome to Coffee Lovers Radio. Joseph here with Jesse. Over uh, there. Over there. <laughs> Joseph here, Jesse there. We're not in the grotto. We're in the, uh, oh, we need a name for this. Can the internet be the terrace? <laughs> the terrace, yeah, exactly. I don't know. I have a nice view looking out my window over the valley. All right. I could call it terrace. All right. The, the back porch. The back porch. <laughs> so we're... Uh, oh, you're there. I'm here. We're having the show on the world's terrace, which is the internet, because uh, the coronavirus has us all sequestered. Yeah. We uh, are recording usually from Seattle, the hot zone of the coronavirus outbreak. Yep. So everybody's freaking out, and really it's fine, but... I'm kind of using it as an excuse not to talk to anybody. Yeah. I mean, I think get get some work done, get some yard work done and just put my head down. There's a Um, lot of, there's a lot of fear and like, I think there's like mass hysteria going on with it. And, you know, I think it's something to, something to be like cautious and careful with, like with your hygiene and all that kind of thing. But I think it's just a huge amount of unknowns or fueling. um, Yeah. Mass hysteria and fear in people. And just tremendous (laughs) amount of growth in cases in the last week. Coffee doesn't stop. That's what we were just talking about before we started recording. Yeah. You know, a lot of these jobs, you can work from home. Coffee roasting, these manual jobs, they just, they obviously can't happen if we're all sick. Yep. Also, just a word out there. I've been speaking to a lot of cafe owners, and I just would like to put out the general PSA announcement that work from home because of a potential pandemic does not mean don't go to work and then go sit at the crowded, sweaty coffee shop all day long. Work from home means to sequester yourself because of a potential spread of a horrible virus. Uh, not to overwhelm all these underpaid, uninsured baristas with camping out in cafes right. because who, who can't work from home. home. Exactly, and <laughs> it's really shocking to me that there's a lot of disregard, like as if it's a snow day. Like you don't have to go to work because you know they found it in the Amazon Brazil tower, right. but you know you can. You can just go to the coffee shop and sit there all day long. So that's a shout out for all of my barista friends that have been complaining that they're really at the front lines of all these, quote, quarantined, people, <clears throat> sequestered people uh, that right. are not going to work, but they're going every place else in public. So good on you. I know a few people who are like pretty well connected to the the uh, heart of the biggest outbreak here. Which is happening over in Kirkland? That's the uh, the nursing home essentially that had the outbreak. It's like Tragic. that's where that's like where all of the deaths are, which is is sad and unfortunate, but not surprising. It's a bunch of like really old people who are in a nursing home. It's true. Uh, of but course, they're gonna have problems. A lot of cases spread out of there as well. That's true. But. Cases have spread, um, and and so I've heard some of what the CDC has been telling uh, nursing students uh, in, in terms of like quarantining yourself and they're like, quarantine yourself. Don't go to work. Don't go to school. You can go to the grocery store though and do your daily stuff. So it's oh, like, yeah. you can go sit at the coffee shop for eight hours. That's fine. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't think the CDC thought that through very well, which is like surprising. I just, I can't believe I haven't heard anything else in the news about this etiquette under these conditions yeah you know it's like when the power goes out you don't go racing through the the unlit intersections you know you treat them like stop signs i don't know <laughs> speaking of etiquette um how about them child laborers and coffee oh yeah hmm. <laughs> is that an is that an etiquette topic i'd say yeah <laughs> it's like that's a human decency topic transition to oh yeah <laughs> to the current event that we want to touch on today a little bit 
Something that I think we should all be very aware of with all of our food and the things that we consume, our resources in general, that there's a lot of labor that go into them, and they're not always the best labor conditions. Right. And the more we ignore that, the more that big companies can get away with it. Yeah. A couple of headlines, Joseph. What are they? Well, okay. So we've got we've got two, uh, one from The Guardian and one from uh, Mirror. The Mirror? Or just Mirror? Yeah. Anyways, I don't know. Very esteemed publications. There's a lot of other ones too, but yeah. these are the ones that are. These are the two that, that we picked out. So, um, The Guardian has uh, children as young as eight picked coffee beans on farms supplying Starbucks. And then uh, the, the Mirror has George Clooney's coffee beans picked by child laborers investigation finds. These are like all stemming from the same investigation, right? There was some group that went and, went and took a look and filmed and photographed and all that kind of thing. Right. So, yeah, it's a. Uh, not surprising i mean if you just think about the way that that coffee farmers live their lives and have to do things you know i think a lot of those cases you've got it's like a family generational thing and uh, in order to make it work you have to this is not a justification just you have to constantly use the cheapest labor that you can get and right i, don't, I mean yeah there's, there's, I think there's two distinct sides of this. There's, there's the obvious side of these tremendous supply chains that want the cheapest price right. for what they're getting. And yeah. children yeah, often true. don't have to get paid at all. You know, the families or, or the farm or the group are often paid by the total amount picked, the weight picked. Right. Um, not by who picked it or what their value is. And so getting more hands in there. Um, you know, when you start talking about just how giant the coffee industry is, mm-hmm. uh, the same, you know, it's it's huge. I think that the other side that a lot of the critique are actually kind of missing is that this is agricultural lifestyle. Is that the families work together? Yeah. Um, the reason why in this country we have summer break from school is so kids can work in the fields, right? It's why we have these holidays and these seasons defined around this. It's not because kids don't like to learn in the sunshine. It's because that's when most of the work needs needed to happen on the land. And so there's a lot of tradition with labor. Um, in this agrarian lifestyle to have families working and available for that kind of on hand work. And, right. um, we shouldn't be surprised that there's child labor in coffee. No, you know, and we also shouldn't be surprised when we find there's child labor in California picking spinach. Um, and it, no one's talking about that though. <laughs> well, right. I mean, we are, there's lots of, lots of groups talking about, Oh, there. Okay. Oh yeah. Farm worker, advocacy groups. Um, there's some really big ones on the, on the West Coast, particularly because we have great agriculture. But yeah, uh, if anybody has questions about that, we can follow up on a separate topic about that's true. The organizations doing that work, but I don't know. It's it's a tough thing. I, I just what's shocking to me is that people don't know this. You know that somebody as as quote smart as George Clooney and as connected as he is didn't know that a company as big as Nespresso would have potential of child labor working on their farms. Um, now the studies came out; and they found 100 percent of the farms they went to had child labor of some sort yeah that that is that is surprising i mean i i could easily see just taking uh taking an intentional willful ignorance of it this frustrates me so much because it's so it's such a terrible situation and and the global economy just pushes these prices lower and so there's yeah. not a real solution at the same time there's also not a solution for overcrowding and for this you know available labor out there yeah. these families that don't have any other child support you know i mean you're if you go to these producing regions, I mean, the, the coffee comes up to the doors of the of their houses. Um, I mean, it's a very communal, very hands-on industry, just like all agriculture. Yeah. 
we just consume so much of this that all yeah, of that, that, just that scale just you, it's it's nearly impossible to be right. The frustrating, the frustrating part is etiquette. N- none, none of the conversation is about the price that is being paid for coffee. Right. Like looking through these articles, there's nothing about. Well, the reason this happens is because we at the consumer end want to pay as little for as coffee as possible. Right. Like even and honestly, even if consumers were like, yeah, I'll pay two to three times as much for my coffee, uh, the producers, like people uh, elsewhere in the chain, would take advantage of that and still drive down the farmer's price so that they can get more money. The problem is like this quote here from the the mirror one. There's a statement from the people doing the investigation. And I think, I think this response statement must be from like Nestle or something like that. We invest heavily in this effort in 2019. Our 400 agronomists made over 170,000 farm visits and trainings across the world, blah, blah, blah. Um, we'll continue to do, all we can to stamp child labor out it has no place in our supply chain. Like, that's a great soundbite. Right. Where's the part about you not ripping off farmers and paying as little as possible for the coffee? Well, and yeah, where's the and, part and, about and you investing in them and their lives and their families? It's, it's, like exactly. Like, I mean, what are these kids going to do? Are they just going to sit at home and not have? I mean, there's 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 no education systems. You know, there's this quote in here. George Clooney apparently worked on his grandparents' tobacco farm when he yeah, was 12 years old. exactly. In the summers, right? So he was in school the rest of the year. Yeah. This is just an endemic problem of how we treat yeah. these rural areas. You got to give in resources. Fact, you got to give upward mobility and places for kids yeah. and and it makes me wonder. It, it makes yeah. me wonder if George Clooney like saw that stuff happening and being like oh yeah i know that life you know they're doing work and helping their family and all that kind of thing like if maybe he had that different point of view which is still like a little warped considering he's you know in the upper echelon of fortunate people in existence so there are a few things you can do um i think as consumers it's important to remember uh there's a facebook group that this came up and there's actually it, it spawned a good conversation because um, there are some really great companies that have a whole lot of transparency and some really great programs to ensure that there's definitely not child labor, but also that all the, all the, that whole side of it's very sustainable, both environmentally and socially. And I think counterculture coffee has an incredible program. Um, Olympia coffee, a little bit smaller, but they are, they are very, uh, very much involved and invested in all this transparency. Onyx coffee, uh, they do good stuff. Um, but what's interesting is it came up and, and Conduit was mentioned in this long list of, of other companies that are working towards sustainability. And there's a lot that people can purchase from companies like mine. But uh, the reality is, is that we still rely on our importers and what our importers know. And there's a lot of coffee being grown out there and it's almost impossible to verify it completely. And what age do you kind of is considered child labor? You know, is it 16? Is it 18? Mm-hmm. Is it... 12, six. Um, I mean, I think we'd all agree that six year olds are child labor, but yeah, that's um, a bit much. <laughs> I think it's just, you know, it's one of those topics to be aware of and, and that you can buy more direct from these farms and kind of ensure this um, and also create a framework so that companies like Nespresso might have some alternatives other than just pretending that they're blindsided by it. Mm-hmm. They kind of invented it, you know, Nestle, like Nestle has been known for all sorts of, terrible practices in third world countries for many decades um so why are we surprised that uh yeah 
<laughs> that that they are acting surprised that this has ever happened. They're probably surprised that it was only you know ninety percent of their farms. They're probably disappointed they're losing ten percent of their money potential. Um, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> so now I'm just getting angry. I can't believe it. No, Nestle, you're not allowed to be surprised. You invented this. I know, I'm feeling really really jaded recently because every every front facing like to the world big organization and especially in politics and all this sort of thing is everyone just telling bald-faced lies about what they're doing and why and just saying what they need to to meet the needs of the moment and you know placate people listening and all that kind of thing that's a whole nother whole nother topic that's not coffee <laughs> right but uh, yeah it's it's really exhausting and you know it's hard to know what to do about that um I want to find this. I can look for this later, and I'll, I'll, uh, but, but I want to find that thread in the, in the Facebook, and see if we can get some of the, some of the thoughts into the extended show notes here, because it's a private face. Is it a private Facebook group, or you have to join, or it's anyway. invite, yeah. invite. All right, but uh, yeah, we'll try to. How's the one that Josiah posted? Yeah. All right. Cool. Josiah Cafe Red. Cafe Red. Hello, neighborhood of Seattle. That's right. They you do live some, right near there, don't you? Yeah, you they do some good stuff. I just popped over there yesterday because I ran out of coffee. I'm enamored with the energy that Josiah and Haley have. They do live music and poetry and artistic stuff. They're on the front lines of some of the neighborhood politics with the, the youth detention center and mm -hmm. just the diversity conversations in that neighborhood and gentrification. So uh, Yeah, they're a wonderful showcase of how to like take a cafe and be a community, like a center centerpiece in a community. Right. With it. And which it has very like, little to do with the cafe itself. It's a small space. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's a converted trailer. Whenever I talk to a cafe owner, they're like, how do I, how do I get more business here? How do I get more people buying my coffee? I'm like, well, have you considered becoming a significant part of your community? Right. <laughs> like the that's, problem I have with that, and we've talked about this before, and this is total uh, tangent to a separate podcast, um, <laughs> is... <laughs> that stuff doesn't pay, right? I mean, that's true. That's true. It, the, it it's it requires so much love of the owners and the people there to just volunteer their time to make that connection. Um, it does pay off a little bit, but because coffee prices are so low, you know, getting an extra ten customers a month because you held some poetry events isn't going to make or break the bank one way or the other. That's and right. So it really takes a love for the industry and a love for the neighborhood and the community and just absolute love for doing that work, which is why I applaud those two so much at cafe red um well yeah. i'll have to have a conversation about that in a different oh that'd be great we should definitely interview them oh yeah definitely yeah when Good the stuff. when the whole uh <laughs> when the whole coronavirus thing is has uh gone away and we can go hang out in a cafe for a few hours i know we're gonna have to get some <laughs> more microphones get a whole other set <laughs> that's true just have our own set remotely which would be pretty sweet yeah, I guess if uh, you know those of you listening, you have any thoughts, uh, reactions about our the you know our serious conversation today on on child labor and all the stuff that goes behind the scenes of your coffee that absolutely happens and you maybe don't want to think about it, um, you know, go to coffeelabersradio.com, visit the show page for the show, and comment your thoughts below. 
Yep. And uh, if you're George Clooney, let's come have coffee and talk about how to be actually sustainable in coffee. Yeah, George Clooney. Would we know, you like we to, know you're a listener. Would you like to be on our show? I don't, wouldn't extend it that far to him. I feel like we should chat first. I'd like to have a conversation with him. <laughs> I think it'd be fun to interview him on the show. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to send him this show. <laughs> if he if he listens to this episode and still wants to be on our show, um, then I think it would be a really good conversation. I agree. All right. Uh, so we're not in the grotto and we don't have the giant mug. So Jesse. Ooh, top five coffee cities in the United States. That's a tough one. Ah. I feel like we're going to be ignorant on that versus a lot of our listeners that know about new coffee shops and new places that are popping up. Which well, would be a great is, time to ask for them to give us some shout outs to their favorite coffee shop. So this is, a, this is, of course, our personal opinion. Let us know what your favorite coffee shop is, favorite city that you've gone to where you've tried some coffee. What qualifies a coffee city, right? Is it, is it the coffee shops and the style of coffee? Is it like the consumer side of it? Or is the infrastructure there on the back end for like the entire coffee industry? You know, because so so little of the coffees that we drink is or that is consumed is through small hipster coffee shops that define. Yeah, I think I want to say they there has to be a significant culture of coffee that has had an impact on like the rest of the culture of the city. <laughs> if that makes sense. So, like um, Seattle's an obvious example, right? Uh, so yeah, I, you know, Portland's Por- Portland's a good example. I would say New York as well. New York has yep. uh, a significant history of coffee, much different than than Seattle or Portland. Right, certainly San Francisco. But interesting, nonetheless. Yeah, San Francisco. Um, I want to throw Boston in there uh, because of George Howell. Yeah, um, um, but that could just be George Howell, and not. I don't know what the culture of coffee is in Boston. Actually, in fact, it's, it's maybe I should take that back because. Well, I, I don't know. I think it's more like, I mean, if you had the distance between Seattle and Portland on the East Coast, you would have a lot of coffee industry in there. That's true. I mean, New Jersey has a tremendous amount of warehousing and coffee capacity going on. In there. Yeah. Um, well, because like, so we're talking about, we're talking New about Orleans? a city that has enough of a, of, oh yeah, New Orleans, New Orleans. Houston, so that's a Houston for sure, because of their port and then the coffee mm. scene. Well, New Orleans, New Orleans is obviously uh, uh, famous for, um, you know, uh, Café du Monde and, and beignets and, and coffee with chicory in it, uh, oh, which beignets. I think is, I think it's, go. <laughs> it's a significant, we, should we do an episode with some beignets sometime? <laughs> yeah, like in an hour, I'll be right back. Oh, do you have some near, near you? No, not really. Oh. It, it was going to be a Danish. Oh, I see. But well, I just need a pastry of some sort. How about how about how about cities that are a little less obvious? Yeah, that's good. Um, San Diego, L.A. Yeah, it's interesting. L.A. Uh, seems like it would be an obvious hotspot, and there's a lot of, especially coffee going on around there. Um, but it's not a well, significant cultural part of the city. Kansas City has quite a few. There's been a lot of like kind of is there around the forefront of some of the small microbreweries. So coffee yeah. sort of followed that pretty well. You know, in that regard, Denver a little bit, but Denver doesn't quite have the hmm. the trade capacity that, that Kansas City does. I really want Detroit to become known for coffee. Like, I really want, I really want this like transformation to happen because um, you know, <laughs> it, it used to be it used to be like this is where our cars come from, right? Uh, and then Detroit just kind of got demolished by the this is uh, where financial our crisis covered wood comes from. 
um, there, I, I mean, I was reading like a couple of years ago that there there is a, a number of up and coming uh, like specialty coffee uh, little spots in Detroit that are they're starting to pop up. So that is like. It's one of those things I think that can fit into a place that has a lot of people and yeah. stuff happening, but where um, it's an up and coming spot. Because if you if you I mean, try to go as a specialty coffee place into uh, a hip and happening like lots of population stuff going on place, you're gonna have a huge amount of costs and stuff associated with it. True. I mean, there's a lot of revitalization. Well, you know, like we always say, coffee shops can't afford those hip places mm-hmm. unless you do a lot more. Um, so as you go into these smaller towns that just want that vitalization. Well, what about, what about Colorado? Uh, what about in spots in Colorado? Um, wasn't, well, I uh, mean, there's in Boulder, uh, where I grew up, yeah. I mean, there's, there's the Trident, which I think they opened in like 1977 serving cappuccinos. They were one of the first places in the country to be kind of doing that Italian style coffee and they're still there kicking it, making great coffee. Um, there's some good roasters and stuff that come out of there. There's always been a challenge with brewing coffee and, and the equipment side of it at that kind of altitude. So it's not a hot oh, spot. Oh, interesting. Kind of yeah. yeah. And it wasn't until like the small roasters and kind of this new wave of, of small roaster styles, like what we're seeing now, what we do, that that really didn't, you know, until that started taking off, then Colorado wasn't really known for their coffee. Mm-hmm. But then quickly, just what's really cool about coffee, right? Then quickly, all of a sudden you have, you know, a dozen excellent, excellent coffee companies in that front range area. Same with Minneapolis and Ooh, Minneapolis might be in the top contender. All right, here's my top five in All order. Right. Seattle, San Francisco, New York, New Orleans, Portland. That seems pretty good. It's the only list that counts. I don't even need to hear yours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we can go with your All list. Right. I'm good with that. Uh, I would probably put, well, I was going to say I might want to put Portland higher, but I like, I really like having New York in there because they're, they have, they do have like a deep culture of coffee and it's very different from the other ones. And it's, it's pretty fascinating. Well, we wouldn't have brokerage coffee. We wouldn't have that kind of like initial anything that got us drinking specialty coffee without the powerhouse commodity markets of Chicago and New York. What about, what about uh, Miami? Right, Nestle? Right. What's that? What about Miami? I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying they're in the top, but they've got like. Um, There's something to be said about that Caribbean coffee culture that we yeah, don't any of in this country except it's, in Miami. It's um, significant in there, so. as as far as like if we're going by going by the definition of it's a it's a culture of coffee that has a significant impact on like the rest of local culture. Then, then Miami should fit somewhere on the list. Yep. Definitely don't need to be top five, but um, it I is. I mean, I'd put it up there with like place. Honolulu, you know, or Maui. Like, I don't Not that far up. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that'll change. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Oh, <laughs> on that note. Anyway. Sorry, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah. What are, what is, uh, listeners, what is your favorite, what is your favorite coffee shop? What's your favorite city? Send us uh, lists. For copy, coffee. Top five. Uh, CoffeeLoversRadio.com. Uh, comment on the show. Uh, you can also visit the Patreon, uh, become a Patreon member, and check out our extended show notes. And uh, join us over there as well. Please do. It's a lot of fun. 
Mm-hmm. It's always fun to hear from all of our listeners. Cheers. <laughs> this has been Joseph and Jesse with Coffee Lovers Radio. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to our show and sign up for the email newsletter. Visit coffeeloversradio.com. There you can listen to our shows and click through to our Patreon page to get expanded show notes and other fun stuff. Coffee Lovers Radio is a partnership between Extracted Magazine and Conduit Coffee. Just visit coffeeloversradio.com and we'll see you on the show.